Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome Ye- to UCLARadio.com at 11 a.m. You are listening to The Menu with Henry. And Belize. Well, we had, I think we had a lovely week mm-hmm. full of great eats. And let's just get right into it. Okay. Talk about what we ate. Um, while we're at it, please um, tell us what you had this week. Any, you know, something that you cooked or somewhere you went that was really significant. Um, just tell us in the chat section um, on our website, uclaradio.com. And yeah, do you want to start? Sure. So um, I went to Rosso Blue this weekend, which is a Italian restaurant in the Fashion District in downtown LA. Um, it is relatively new. Um, it kind of recently reopened from a kitchen fire. Um, it uh, it is landed on Eater's um, like most essential LA restaurants recently. Um, Rosa Blue is a uh, soccer team in north of France, so it's it's a northern. I'm sorry, France, northern Italy um, inspired. Um, Northern Italian cuisine. Um, so first, we ordered cocktails, um, which were lovely. Um, had bell pepper and Saint Germain, um, which is an elderflower liqueur, um, and it was wonderful and sweet, as well as tart. Um, and then uh, I had read a Jonathan Gold review, a, a relatively um, new recent one, or. Uh, one close to his passing, um, and it it had given me some recommendations for what to order. So um, we first ordered the uh, salumi, which is basically like a char- uh, charcuterie board um, plate um, with some wonderful aged um, ham products. Um, you know, prosciutto, twenty four month aged prosciutto, and um, very thinly sliced salami, um, and as well as these really fun um, puff, like bread puff thingies. It was very delicious. Oh. Um, and then after that, we had an eggplant starter, um, which was wonderful, very thinly sliced, marinated eggplant. Um, and then after that, we went into our main course, um, a uh, uh, papadeli with um, uh, mushrooms, a very umami flavor, very, very rich and deep Um but the pasta was delicious, um, had a lot of bite, um, you know, chewy, but also soft. Um, there was some, is it spinach, some green in there too. Nice. Um, that was delicious. That was the highlight. Um, and then, um, there was also another sort of, um, it was minestrone al sacco, which is like minestrone in a bag. So oh, <laughs> what kind of bag? So it's like, um, uh, have you seen like cheesecloth before? Yeah. So it kind of looked like that. What it, it was very interesting. Um, it was the center point of Jonathan Gold's review of this place. It was it's a uh, s- soup sort of thing with these Parmesan dumplings. Oh. Um, and so what it is, it's a very traditional, uh, I guess, like grandmother Italian dish, you know. And mm-hmm. um, if you go to Italy, you never see this in restaurants, but you know, since we don't have Italian grandmothers here, I guess, Chef Steve um, at Rosso Blue um, 
decided to put it on the menu for us to try. And so it was like a very rich chicken broth, like a minestrone uh, broth, but all clear, nothing like your canned minestrone soup that you see. Um, and uh, it was it was very, very rich, very tasty. The dumplings were very good, but um, it was just a little simple because it was just the broth and dumplings. So it was yummy, but um, I don't know. It wasn't phenomenal. And then after that, we were stuffed, but we finished with um, a dessert, um, a sort of cake-like custardy um, slice with, with ras- frozen raspberries. It was very good. We were nice. stuffed. Yeah. I hear you had Italian as well, another very, very highly acclaimed restaurant in, yes. in L.A. Um, me and my sister, we went to Felix in, on Abbot Kinney in Venice. Um, this Monday and next last Monday. I mean, today is Monday. But um, yeah, it was it was really good. When we first walked in, we were um, greeted by the bar and the general ambiance of the restaurant seemed very um, European, which made me like it even more. Um, it kind of reminded me reminded me of this restaurant in London called Chiltern Firehouse, which is actually um, inside an old firehouse um, that is now a hotel and a restaurant. But um, the vibe was really similar. Um, Also great food at Chiltern Firehouse, but not Italian. Um, And we first started off with some nice white wine. And then when we were sat down on our table, we got some sifincione, which is a Sicilian focaccia. Um, it's a little bit dif- more. It's a little bit more different than the regular um, Genoese um, focaccia. It's m- definitely um, fluffier, a little bit softer on the inside, but still really crunchy because you put olive oil on the bottom and on the top, so it gets crunchy on both both sides when you're um, baking it and there was rosemary sea salt and it, it was just the perfect amount of crunchy and oil and salt and I could have just had that focaccia for the rest of my not only dinner but life it was it was really good um, definitely definitely recommend getting that if you ever go um, and then we wanted some pasta as main. So my sister got the tonarelli caccia e pepe um, with pecorino cheese and black pepper. And I got the rigatoni with pomodoro sauce um, without cheese because I'm vegan. And I, first of all, what you need to know about Felix is that they don't do their pastas with machines. They do it by hand. And you can tell because the texture of the pasta and the taste of the pasta itself is really quality stuff. and Non-metallic. Yeah, exactly. And it, there's also something unique about that type of work being put into something, you know, and... It, you, I, I feel like you can feel it when you eat the pasta. And my sister was really happy with her cacio pepe, although she said it was the sauce was a little bit more watery than she expected it to be. But 
it, that wasn't really necessarily a problem. It was just something that she observed. She still really enjoyed it. And I also really liked my pasta. It was really fresh and tasty. The tomato sauce was really, um, really fulfilling. It was really rich with, um, I think, I think the tomatoes itself were also really good because I could, you know how sometimes you drink a really good tomato soup and the, it just feels really mm -hmm. good and hearty. Fresh. Yeah. And you know that you're like eating tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And I guess because we're also college students, we sometimes just, you know, get canned tomatoes and canned pasta sauces. So it's, it, it felt really nice to actually taste tomatoes. Mm -hmm. um, and Overall, it was a great experience. And after that, I get to, I got to meet the sous chef, and he was really, really nice. He, we talked about food, where he got his um, education. Um, you know what he, um, you know he apparently graduated college as well, but he, you know, wanted to pursue cooking, and we actually want to get him on the show. So if you want to know more about how to become a chef or a sous chef tune in because we'll be we'll be getting some people um hopefully very soon mm -hmm. exciting okay i have a couple of questions for you yeah um well actually first of all that yeah that focaccia is, is to die for huh? <laughs> and you can like those little divots there's these little yes. divots that they poke holes in that really get that really mm -hmm. crunchy salty rosemary delicious that was the highlight <laughs> of my meal there too um, how, how was like the, the sweetness and the acidity of the tomato sauce? Cause I find that is like super important. Do you remember? I know it was a week ago. Um, interesting. The sweetness. Um, I think it was the right amount of sweetness because whenever something is too sweet, I feel the need to mm -hmm. put a lot of salt mm -hmm. on it. And I use salt a lot, which is really bad, but um, I think that was the right amount. And when it comes to acidity, um, I don't actually remember. Mm -hmm. I feel like if it was too acidic or not enough acidic, I would have remembered that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and final question. was Were they, could you see them in their little box? Um, at Felix, they have this. Um, big glass case <laughs> where um, the chefs make um, the pasta by hand and you can see them doing it and there's um, I think I don't know what it is it's some metal box inside this case and on it it says um, fuck your pasta machine yes uh, what did you see anybody working in there that night yes I saw the pasta um, I actually don't know if he's considered the chef mm -hmm. pasta chef or not but um, he was working on some pastas, kneading those doughs. And when we saw the machine that said, um, not machine, but the box that said, fuck your machines, we, 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 really, we really liked the sentiment and the hard work that they put into um, what they believe in. And I actually also saw uh, Evan Funke go into that room and talk to the chef and my eyes were literally wide open and I was just so excited to see him. My sister was like, what's going on? I was <laughs> like, he's the chef. He's the chef of this restaurant. 
And yeah, I actually wanted to talk to him as well, but it, unfortunately he left like three minutes before I asked. Um, but still, it was a great experience. It was also really nice to talk mm -hmm. to. Not just the, we also had a little lovely chat with our waitress. And, you know, it, it was really nice to talk to people about the food they make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so just want to point out these restaurants are not um, like averaged or low priced. These are special occasion um, restaurants. Um, you know, you might spend, um, sep you know, depending on um, if you're paying for two or um, if you're just paying for yourself, you might spend upwards of 50, 70 um, if you go crazy, $100. So, um, yeah, these are um, high-end, more on the upscale, um, but definitely recommend if you um, have a special occasion coming up. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, we also went to Worst Kuke, both me and Beliz, which is, we talked about a little bit last week. It's a uh, German sausage, um, uh, I guess a new, new German restaurant, um, just serves sausages, fries, and beer. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, I, it's one of my f staples. Um, what did you think? Um, I really liked it. Um, the thing is, we were all drinking that night. We so um, I think I would have liked it even though it wasn't good because you kind of need that kind of food after a night out. Mm -hmm. um, but... Uh, my my hot dog was made with Beyond Meat sausage, and I usually find the Beyond Meat brand a little heavy for me, but I think sausage is, because it's so much process, mm -hmm. processed, it's like less meaty, so I really like the texture. It was soft. It was what I remembered from my, it tasted like what I remembered from my childhood. Um, I wasn't such a huge fan of the sauerkraut on top of my um, hot dogs. Um, they were too lemony. Hmm. Um, but overall, the fries were really good. Mm -hmm. They were really, really crunchy and salty. And uh, they were um, not thinly cut, but what are they Thick called? Cuts, uh, Thick cuts? Like steak almost steak. Wait, no. No, those steaks are, the are thin. Yeah, like home, home fries? Uh, yeah, like home fries. And it was it was really good. Yeah. Um, I liked that. I'm not a huge fan of hot dogs, mm -hmm. but I I would definitely go back and like you know, um, get some beer as well. Mm -hmm. Chill out with my friends in the patio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The fries are amazing there. They also have a, an array of fancy dipping sauces, which are wonderful. Mm -hmm. They have a huge selection of Belgian and and. Uh, German beers. You can get a Stein, which is a liter, one of those giant liter mugs, which are delicious. Um, it was the first time I went I, that I was not satisfied with my sausage. I got the pheasant. Yeah. They have these exotic sausages. There's like these three tiers of sausages. You're basic, you're medium, <laughs> and then exotic. Um, I got the pheasant with herbs, and it was um, quite dry, and I was disappointed because I've been there like 20 times, and I've loved it every time before. So um, don't get the pheasant if you go, but still... <laughs> recommend trying it out. That's Worst Kuke. There's one in Venice and downtown. Before we get back into it, let's hear some of your um, eats of the week. 
<laughs> so Hedgen um, commented on our Facebook saying that she tried the whole Earth Bowl at Veggie Grill. She said it was pricey. Um, I'm sure it's in the realm of maybe thirteen, twelve dollars. Um, but she said it's taken it on a life of its own for her as a noob vegetarian. So <laughs> she must be just um, starting to become a vegetarian, which is a great step. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's helping her do that. Um, Veggie Grill, if you don't know, we have one in Ackerman. It's all ve- all vegan as well? Yes, it is. completely vegan. Um, and so it's a great, great place to sort of make your way over to transitioning to become vegetarian or vegan. She said it was very tasty. Yeah, Veggie Grill is definitely indulgent, not your typical healthy vegan um, restaurants that we tend to have sometimes in Los Angeles. But nevertheless, um, a great if you ever go, also try the Santa Fe crispy chicken. It's it's a good one, and their fries are also really good. <laughs> um, another um, another comment that we got on our Facebook was from Furkan. Um, he tried out Meat Love in K-Town and thought it was so good. He tried the beef belly, brisket, two types of bulging. That's uh, bulgogi maybe? Bulgogi, yeah, probably. Um, pork belly, cheese corn, which he claims to be the best thing. And rice, potato salad, radish, and also water. <laughs> good job staying hydrated. <laughs> yes, Um but the reason he liked it was because it was not vegan friendly. <laughs> um, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, it's a little offensive. A little bit, <laughs> but we, we, we still love you, Furkan. Um, um, I'm, I think it must be a Korean barbecue place, huh? Probably. Yeah. Those are fun, fun to take people. And they, they also do have veggies uh he he, because they definitely do a lot of their a lot of korean barbecue places give you a lot of sides to start you know you order your mains and you get all Mm -hmm. those little tiny um sides and so i'm sure a lot of those are vegetarian and vegan and they're very yummy yeah exactly i just don't think i'm the best person to take to a korean barbecue because you have because it's about sharing it's about you know um getting a lot of um different types of meat and um sharing that Mm -hmm. and you know if one person gets the meat and the other just gets veggies Mm -hmm. it's it's still going to be enjoyable but not what you would expect from that sort of environment Mm -hmm. also your veggies are going to be soaked in like meat juice yeah that's also true (laughs) um but yeah before we get into our next topic um i just wanted to give a little brief shout out to this lovely place i went to this weekend on mammoth mountain um, I went there for a ski t- trip with the UCLA snow team, which I am a part of. And while we were not shredding the slopes, we were we ate some pretty good food. And one of the places I went to was with my friend Duncan. Um, it's called Garden of Eaton, and they are they're a li- small restaurant. Two lovely ladies are working there and it's very home cooked um type of mm, place and they have a lot of vegetarian vegan options and i tried the tikka masala um with some rice and quinoa uh, mixed together 
and it was it was really nice um i yeah it, i needed that after a day of skiing and stuffing myself on the mountain with um you know fast food um it just felt really nice to eat some veggies and you know it was a good amount of spice good amount of um hardiness it it just felt really good and i i also love the um restaurant itself um it just felt like home so yeah that was that was my last i guess meal of the week wonderful so i went home um yeah n- now we have some restaurant news bum, coming bum, for bum. you <laughs> um so um it's been nearly 7 months since jonathan gold passed away he was um nearly world-renowned. When he died, chefs from all across the world and the country said their condolences to his family and, you know, um, were sad about his passing. Um, If you don't know, Jonathan Gold is the Los Angeles, was the Los Angeles Times food critic for many years. Mm -hmm. Quite Um, a long time. He also did um, reviews for LA Weekly and all sorts of publications mm-hmm. all over. He was very, very well known. Well known for um, his, I wouldn't say reviewing, but writing. Just, yeah, his exactly his writing, especially of what he called traditional restaurants. You know, um, he's famous for a review of Meals by Jeanette, which is an Ethiopian restaurant in Little Ethiopia, of of you know street tacos and food trucks. So um, stuff like that, very well known. He he was never really um, uh, abrasive or, you know, if, if he gave criticism, it was usually constructive. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read my review of, of uh, that I read of uh, Rosso Blue that he wrote. Almost made me cry. It was wonderful. He Aww. had a very, very beautiful way of um, basically storytelling in food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyway, he passed away seven, oh, nearly seven months ago last year. Um and so the LA Times has been without a food critic for that long. Um, they published their 101 favorite restaurants, but it was just really a collaboration. It, that was usually done, the publication usually done by Jonathan Gold, but they had to publish it just with staff. Um, but now two new critics have been chosen uh, for the LA Times um, food section. They are Bill Addison and Patricia Escarcega. Um. Um, so Bill Addison is a former pastry chef. He's now the head of, um, LA Times food. Um, he was most recently Eater's national critic, uh, which means he was responsible for some of Eater's most, most high praise articles and lists like, uh, the nation's 38 best restaurants, um, which forced him to travel all around the country for 38 weeks, trying over 600 restaurants. Um, he put at least two um, on that list. Um, one was Park's Barbecue, which is wow. a Korean barbecue place in Koreatown, um, which I just recently went to. Very expensive, but yummy. Really? Yes. Oh. Um, and then the other one is uh, Here's Looking at You, which is another Koreatown restaurant. So Koreatown's popping off, according to Bill Addison. Yeah, there are many um, openings right now mm-hmm. at Koreatown. So I'm guessing it's going to be booming soon because, you know, the Line Hotel has been um, renovating as well. And now they have some new restaurants opening there. So 
yeah, just expecting a lot of stuff from Koreatown. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if yeah. uh, if Addison goes goes over there a lot. Uh, yeah. He seemed to like it in his eater reviews. Um, so his favorite cuisines are Lebanese, Cantonese, and American Southern food. Um, he he's into an- anonymity um, during his reviews. So Jonathan Gold was quite famous for. Um, not being anonymous, part of that was because he was extremely recognizable. Um, mm-hmm. You really could not mistake him if he walked into your uh, restaurant. Um, but uh, yeah, so Bill practices anonymity. He says that it's um, makes his job easier. You know, restaurants aren't gonna like pamper him when he comes in, and you know, you want you want the food, you know, that everyone is getting, not specially made food. Um, but I think it's interesting. There's, like, secrecy and the sort of, like, hidden identity involved. I don't know. He says if he wasn't a food critic, he would be a CIA agent. <laughs> so he really likes that part of it, clearly. Yeah. Um, that's actually what um, Patricia says in our Q&A mm-hmm. as well. She also believes in anonymity, thinks that it builds a firewall between the critic and the restaurant. And I think that's also pretty useful when you're a food critic. Because, you know, people do want to please Impress. Uh, yeah, a restaurant critic. But they also acknowledge the fact that in this day and age, it's pretty tough to be fully anonymous. And they, it, it's good that they're not, like, agonizing over it. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, too obsessed with that idea of anonymity. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting... I think um, it's kind of fun. It's fun it and is. silly, right? At it the is. same time. Um, let's see. His his first review was of Fiona, which is a bakery and restaurant um, in the Fairfax district, which is also popping off. Everywhere's popping off, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he used, uh, in his review, he used sort of like very flowery language. Um, he even used a scientific name of like a citrus. Um, and I can't help but think that he was trying to emulate um like Jonathan Gold's style, um, but it was very, very overexpressive, sort of like every word was mm. very, <laughs> very beautiful. And he, he's got the beautiful, right? Um, he's got, you know, he's got it, he's got it down, but I think, um, I don't know, it was uh, not as simplistic, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes nice, you know, to read a review and say, and see exactly what you're looking for in a review. Um, you know, it wasn't, like um, a chore to read, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. So, you know, he'll get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, com- yeah, and the other food critic is Patricia Escarcega. I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I hope we're pronouncing her last name correctly. Um, she is um, so. actually... Uh, Latin. Mm-hmm. Latinx. Latinx. Um, um, oh, her Twitter. Her Twitter bio um, says she is a daughter of orange growers, um, and is an avocado lover. Um, so, and her first review uh, for the Times was of let's see, ex tiosu, ex apostrophe t i o s u kitchen um, in Boyle Heights, um, which is a little bit east of downtown. Um, it's in a walk-in Lebanese fusion, which yeah. is crazy, which is, so that's like, 
um, in more simpler terms, that those are like, like t tier two cuisines. Those are like you have to get down. But like, in more simpler terms, that's kind of like um, Mexican and Chinese fusion, or of sort, or Mediterranean. I'm sorry, uh, yeah. like Mexican and Mediterranean fusion. And when I read her review, I found her really like to the point. You know, um, good descriptions, but not trying to be really literary or like poetic about it, um, which I also appreciate. You know, um, we can't expect everyone to be, I guess, Jonathan Gold, <laughs> but, um, and she was really informative about like the background of the restaurant and where, um, you know, where the food, where the idea uh, comes from, which, um, made it even more, made the restaurant and the food even more intriguing. Um, and herself, like she herself is not from, um, you know, a traditional food critic background. She's not white, she's not male. She is Latinx and she actually grew up with a lot of home cooked meals. She explains in her Q&A that her um, Tia Carmen would make flour tortillas from scratch and like her greatest food memories are the food that um, she made at home with her parents and that definitely shows that she has a different understanding of food than someone who was just able to go out with their parents mm -hmm. a lot when they were young. Uh, but I think that's, I think when it comes to LA food scene, both Bill Addison and Patricia Casega is are important additions because not only do they have different backgrounds, I, I think they represent the diversity and the energy that we have in the scene right now. And I'm really excited to read uh, their reviews. Um, one, because I came to LA three years ago, I was not very, um, I, w I was not involved um, before I came to LA with um, John Gold's reviews. I was, you know, a latecomer, so I don't think I've ever had that much time where I appreciated him enough while he was living. But I think um, he was still really influential, and I still um, read his reviews when I wanted to go somewhere. So. It's 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 exciting for me to have two new people that I can you know watch grow. Absolutely, it's <laughs> almost it's almost like I don't know following. I don't want to say a celebrity, but like a show yeah. or something <laughs> like that. Well, you can really sort of identify with people and and their you know especially if you've been to that restaurant. Um, and it's 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 really a, a unique form of writing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm really excited as well. I hope they can live up to it. I'm sure they will. They're both going to provide, ex exactly like you said, uh, unique perspectives and, uh, uh, you know, um, play off one another in, in good ways. Um, I, ho I really hope Patricia brings, you know, a much needed perspective to L.A.'s um, food scene. I, mm -hmm. I think her first review shows that, you know, what a unique restaurant yeah. that is to review So uh, as her first restaurant. So um, we're both very excited. Yes. And um, Patricia and Bill, if you're listening, come on. <laughs> come on the show. We'd love we to have you. We would love to have both of you <laughs> on our show. Um, we have some comments from you guys. 
Um, guest 1864 says, Hello, I'm currently eating lunch right now. We hope you're enjoying that lunch. Um, we'll probably get lunch after the show. Although I had a late breakfast this morning, so I'll probably be eating lunch a little bit later. Um, and guest 18, oh, same, same guest, guest, says, How do you feel about healthy fast food places like kava? This is an interesting topic I feel like I actually am never I'm not a huge fan of kava mm -hmm. um, I don't find it that tasty to be honest I tried their falafels once they tasted something other than falafels I'm also really strict about my hummus and my falafels so I'm I'm not usually nice about it um, <laughs> <laughs> when I you know um, when I'm trying out new falafel places. But I I don't know. What do you think? So so I I like kava, mm -hmm. but I their falafels are disgusting. <laughs> They're they those falafels, there's like <laughs> beans in them or something. Like it's not not like yeah. you know <laughs> um it's they're those are not real falafels. Those are some weird thing. Um their hummus is fine it's not anything special um no i don't go there when i Me want either. like good i don't know you know mediterranean cuisine mm -hmm. um i'm i'm okay with kava um kava salads and stuff like that mm -hmm. you know so the question was how do you feel about healthy fast food places um I say great. Like, it's better than McDonald's, you know? If you're yeah. looking for fast food, great. You know, Veggie Grill, awesome. There's one other veg a vegan place. Native there? Foods. Native Foods, yeah. I would actually like Native Foods more than Veggie Grill. There you go. Although Veggie Grill is, like, more popular right now mm -hmm. because it's a chain, I guess. But Native Foods seems more, it seems kind of healthier than Veggie Grill. I actually don't know if it is. Mm -hmm. You kind of never know how food is being made in restaurants. But exactly, um, Native Foods doesn't feel like fast food that much. Mm. But I agree with you on the point that I would rather get Cava Girl than, you know, mm -hmm. um, like, McDonald's. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else? So I guess you're talking about, like, though, like in line where you go and you pick out exactly what you want. Like... Bibimbap, I guess, or Subway or something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, they're not not great, but, you know, I'm all for it if it's going to get people to do that instead of, instead of um, you know, Jack in the Box and stuff like it. Yeah, I'd rather have a lot of Veggie Grill than a lot of yeah. um, Burger Kings mm -hmm. in, in the U.S. And it's, it's also really hard, f um, like the guest says, for a college student to eat healthy on a hectic schedule and you want something convenient and cheap but you also want it to be healthy and I think sometimes some companies bank on that bank on that you know idea of oh we are healthy when they're actually not um, because there's still a lot of additives and like a lot of um, you know not like a lot of oil and salt, yeah. it's unfortunately kind of what B plate does to UCLA students. Yeah. B plate always, B plate, which is a dining hall at UCLA, they're always very, 
they put a lot of importance to being healthy and good for you. But when you actually check out the nutrition content on their menu, the sodium and fat levels are off the roof. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not healthy for you. And I have concerned my, I have communicated my concerns with their um, dietitians and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they told me that the nutrition information was kind of wrong. Mm -hmm. And Who is this? Their dietitian, the B plate. Oh, like, this is B plate. Okay. Yeah, the dining call dietitian told me that it was kind of wrong and not true. But then, how? Then how do I trust mm-hmm. what I put in my body? I can't just, I don't know, listen to you. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Thank you for the question, guest guest one eight six four. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what I found helpful was that I started cooking on mm-hmm. my own. Um, at my home, which um, really helped me become healthier. And we, we would love to give you some little recipes here and there if you're struggling with that. Um, but also a lot of people don't have the... The time m- or the means, yeah. The means to have a kitchen in college, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Eat those carrots, those raw carrots. Yes. <laughs> Carrots uh, are good for you. So um, we have some two, uh, a few quick um, updates, I guess, some stories about food, safety, and politics, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Uh, food politics. This <laughs> is our food politics segment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this, just a few days ago, the U.S. Supreme Court um announced that it would not hear a case from 2017. So bear with us. This is a little confusing story. Um, Basically, the Supreme Court um, wouldn't hear a a challenge to a ruling um, and will now uphold the foie gras ban throughout the state of California. So um, foie gras is... um, Duck liver. liver. Right. Duck liver, basically. Yeah, duck or geese that is um, uh, fattened, like out of that wouldn't normally um, be that fat. Mm-hmm. So the the birds are fed, um, force fed um, really fatty foods. Yes. Um, to make their liver um, I don't know, taste better. Yes. And what actually happens usually is that they extract the liver while the uh, animal is still alive, so it's definitely not a uh, food, not yeah, not a food that I um, I stand by. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it, and it's interesting. It's a very very high end ingredient. It's known in French cooking. A lot of very nice restaurants have foie gras. It's um, uh, how do you? I don't know how you describe it. It's like um. Like a smooth paste of smooth... Um, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a, a little bit harder than cream cheese, mm-hmm. I would say. And w- I actually had foie gras before, before I knew what it was made from um, in Paris. And they you, they serve it with some bread on the side mm-hmm. and butter. And you, um, you know, spread the foie gras and the butter on the bread and you eat it. And... To be completely honest with you, for the sake of um, honest journalism, it was really good. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed eating that when I had it, but 
now I don't think I would enjoy it even in the slightest. Yeah, it's it's very it's a delicacy, I guess you could say, to a lot of mm-hmm. people, especially in French cooking. It's very expensive, yeah. but um, essentially there's been a lot of court fights um, about it in California since 2012. Um, you know, a lot of groups found it in humane, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, to do that to ducks and geese, um, basically force feeding them. So in 2012, um, the foie gras ban went into effect in a court and it had been challenged multiple times. So um, in 2015, it was uh, shut down, um, but then it was reversed again. Um, and in 2017, um, basically <laughs> it got reversed one more time and now finally the Supreme Supreme Court says, yeah, we're not gonna hear this case. It should be, it's gonna be banned. So as of right now, foie gras is banned in the state of California. Yeah, a lot of um, chefs are um, not happy with this though. Um, I don't remember which restaurant and which chef exactly at the moment because I read the article a week ago, but um, they were saying that if they have the means to find foie gras from somewhere else, that they would, you know, import it. They would, it would still be on their menu, um, and they were really passionate about their foie gras. Which I, I mean, I do understand the sentiment of trying to put a plate that has cultural importance to people to consumers but also that means that you're not acknowledging where this bands comes from which is animal abuse mm-hmm. not it's Absolutely. not just animal use it's basically animal abuse and i i support the decision mm-hmm. personally um i do too um so it's real our guest asked do you think this is going to engender a foie gras black market. And so um, that might be somewhat um, of a joke, but you're you're kind of right. Um, Chef Preeti Mystery of Oakland's Jaha Beach Club and Nava Kitchen um, says the ban, you know, like, like Bliss said, that a lot of chefs are kind of mad and say it's, it's misdirected outrage. He says that anytime you ban something, it makes it more exciting and illicit. Uh, those that want it are still going to find it, whether it's f- whether it's foie gras or heroin. That's just the way the world works. So that's what this chef thinks. That's unfortunate. We'll see if that happens. A lot of chefs are waiting to see if California actually enforces the law. So that's why a lot of restaurants still have it on their menu, because I see it all the time now. Yeah, me too. Um, but we'll keep you updated yep. on how that goes. And we're unfortunately coming to an end. Um, Let's see. Do we want to just let me go over a couple of events? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Um, So tonight, um, Graham Elliott is in the kitchen at Atrium. Uh, It's a one night only. Atrium is um, a very nice restaurant um, in L.A. Uh, There's going to be three menu specials. um, And Graham Elliott is a a, a very well-known chef. Let's see. What else? There's Disco Dining Club for your anniversary feast in yeah. February. That's uh, in February, though. Yeah, there's it still is. a lot of time. Yeah, there's still a lot of time. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But um, every Sunday, Smorgasburg oh, yeah. in downtown LA, they started it back up. They started, you know, their new season. Um, disco Dining 
<laughs> Let's is see. a we... five-course meal from Lauren uh, Kinu of LQ Foodings. And it's going to be a thematic food and drink event that revels in all the excess debauchery and hedonism of disco. Well, it's an, at an undisclosed location, and reservations can be made um, if you go to the Eater site and go to this event page. Let's see. Reservations can be made at restlessnights.com. Oh, interesting. You know Restless, Restless Nights is actually a promotion company that holds a lot of... Um, a lot of um, um, events, house party events. Um, and, uh, oh, another guest before we end our show um, says that the process of gavage. Which, um, is, which is the process of feeding ducks and geese um, fat, fattier foods. Mm-hmm. To, to produce foie gras. And they say that it, there, it, it's no crueler than slaughtering a pig or cow, and they believe that it's not animal abuse and that they have personally visited more than a few farms where foie gras is produced, and they're anything but abused. Um, and they sent us um, a link from Serious Eats, which we will read and discuss next week. Thank you for the link. Um, yeah. We would love to learn more about this, definitely. Yeah, thank you very much. We will give this to read and talk about it next week. We're running out of time. But thank yes. you very much, guest uh, 1908. Um, we will keep an open mind and, and see this new perspective, uh, a different perspective. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to the menu on UCLAradio.com. Hey, hey, Belez, congratulations on Top 20 this week. Oh, yeah, we got Top 20 this week. So thank you for listening. We want to continue this conversation about food in L.A., um, you know, throughout the weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the menu. Yeah. Um, next up, um, it's what is a Jeopardy radio show? And you should tune in for some trivia um, on UCLAradio.com. Thank, Thank you. you. See you next week, Monday at 11. Bye.